This is the Tap In Podcast. We are live inside of the Tap In Studio via Zoom as well. <laughs> via Zoom as well. Thank y'all for tapping in with me. So I got two special guests um, that's joining me today. Um, one of my special guests you guys may have seen or may have not. Um, police officer of the Fort Worth um, Police Department, Miss LaRonda uh, Young. How are you doing, LaRonda? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, good. And then we also got a councilwoman um, from the Fort Worth, uh, Fort Worth City, uh, Kelly Allen Gray with us as well. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, good. Thank y'all. I want to say thank y'all for taking time out of your Saturdays to join me and tapping in with me. This is like so important to me. I've been going over everything I want to talk about for the last week with you guys. So thank you guys for joining me, okay? Um. First, I want to, LaRonda, you've been on, how long have you been with the, uh, with the police department? How were you with the police department? I was with Fort Worth PD from, 2004, from 1992 to 2004, late 2004. So I did 12 and a half years with Fort Worth PD. And I'm currently an educator. Okay. Uh, I've been in education for the last 13 years. And I'm also the owner of a tutoring service where um, I employ certified teachers who do one-on-one tutoring with children. And I've owned that business for the last three years. Okay. Okay. All right. And then Councilwoman Kellyanne, um, excuse me, Kellyanne Gray. I make sure I get that correct. <laughs> Kelly Allen Gray, excuse me. Now, how long have you been with the city? So I have served on city council since 2012. Okay. Okay. I now, took over an unexpired term and I served for nine months and then I had to run for a full two year term starting in 2013. Oh, okay. Uh, now is city council, is that, um, is that the same as councilwoman city council? Uh, that's, that's the same board or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now let me ask both of you guys, how does the police department and the city council, how do, how do they interject or how, where do they meet at for anybody? Kelly, I'm going to let you take that one. So for us as the mayor and the council, who we are responsible for hiring is the city manager, the city attorney, the city auditor, the city secretary. And I think that's it. I think we have four people that we are responsible for hiring. Okay. The city manager then in turn hires the police chief. However, what what our role is in that is so like budgeting, police budgeting, that all comes through the city council via the city manager for us to have a discussion on and to approve. Uh, And then when there are just things that are happening in the city, automatically the mayor and the council are pulled into it because that's just what citizens do. Uh, as And as an elected official, we have that voice to weigh in on things that are happening. Okay. So we intersect in a, in a lot of ways. I, so as probably one of the younger council members, very, very active in the community. And so I partner a lot with the police department. I use the police in a much different way than many people probably do. I use them more as collaborators for things that happen in the community. Okay. Okay. And LaRonda, when you were on the, on the police force, did, 
how is the chain of command brought to you guys? Do you guys, the chief goes to your supervisor and the, that protocol goes down to you guys? Or how does that, how does that uh, chain of command work? Well, the chain of command in the, in the police department, of course, the chief is the highest position. He's over the whole police department. Um, your lowest uh, ranking supervisor is a sergeant. And all your officers are going to report to sergeants. That's their first ranking supervisor. So anything that uh, an officer needs to deal with as far as discipline or, or asking for days off, that has to go through their sergeant. From there, it goes up from the sergeant to the lieutenant. The lieutenant oversees the sergeant and everybody under that. Um, the the of, above the lieutenant is the captain. He for he or she foresees everybody under that. The lieutenant and the sergeant fall under that, and then it goes up to assistant chief or deputy chief, and then your chief. You also have the detective position, which is in between the regular officer with no rank and the sergeant or corporal. That that can be a corporal or a detective. That's pretty much the same same rank. Now, they're just kind of like an a in-between. If a sergeant is out, they'll usually leave a corporal in charge uh, for officers to, to kind of lean on until the sergeant is available. But the first okay. ranking supervisor is a sergeant. Okay, okay. Because I know a lot of times me is just a regular citizen. Um, when it comes to, like, voting and things like that, like, I don't know what position is – the city manager, I, didn't, I had no idea what that job was or what the ranking is. If we want to, as a citizen, want to get rid of the chief of police, how do we go about doing it? How are we using our vote? How are we using our power to actually uh, effectively make change in the community? So um, thank y'all for giving me that. Um, also, I wanted to know, like, in when, when actually, uh, as a citizen, getting involved in the community, because I know... That's one of my, my goals of 2020. Like, I want to get more into either local politics or either in community projects. And I, as a citizen, I really don't know what that entails or how to even get started or even get involved in, like, council city meetings to, to really, like, infect change with, with, within going on with what's going on in the community. So, um, Councilman Kelly, what would be your... Um, what would you say would be the best way to actually get involved in the community? What would be the, like one of the first steps of getting involved? So the first thing, so I'm going to go back. Okay. Um, because you said a couple of things. So let's, let's talk about it. Okay. First of all, in most cities, police chiefs are not elected officials. Okay. Um, sheriffs are elected officials, not, not police chiefs. Okay. And, um, city managers are not elected officials. So there, so, and the only person that can fire the city manager is the mayor and the council. Now the city manager can fire the police chief, but he can't fire the mayor and the council. Only the voters can fire the mayor and the council by their vote and voting us out. Okay. So just okay. kind of make everybody understand that, because I don't want what I don't want what will happen is people said, well, on the tapping podcast show, they said <laughs> I can vote out the police chief. The police yeah. chief is not an elected official. Okay. That's not how that works. So okay. let's clear that up. Yes, please do. Okay. So what I would say first thing is I would get involved in my neighborhood. Okay. Um, because most. 
in most cities where the power is in things that happen at city hall comes from the communities really? and it's and it's neighborhood associations it is civic groups it's those kinds of, of of groups that come then to city council and talk about their issues um case in point so let me give you two examples i was really new to city council and there was this ordinance that was coming up about cats like feral cats See, you looking like I'm looking, right? Just like cats. And what is a feral cat, right? So the yeah. feral cats are those cats that hang out behind your house that, you know, they, they kill the mice and they, you know, they they not your okay. pet. Okay, you okay. You kind of feed them to, to keep them outdoors, to keep stuff away from your house. And they just free, right? Okay. So I had never heard of a feral cat. I just thought they were the alley cats, right? So that's all I knew. So there's so there are all of these emails and there's all of this stuff going back and forth about these cats and this cat ordinance. So being the new person on council, I say, hey, do y'all think we should really have a conversation about cats, these cats, before we go out into the council chamber? Because I'm getting phone calls and emails and you know, so I think yeah, we should talk yeah. about it, right? Yeah. So they get up there and they say, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, okay, so now you patronizing me, but I think we're fixing to have a problem. And really in my mind, I'm thinking, y'all finna have a problem because yeah. I'm not with y'all on this foolishness. Somebody <laughs> needs to be talking about these cats because these yeah. people are serious about these cats. Yeah. So then he ends, the guy ends with, ha, ha, ha. It's like chasing, it's like herding cats is what he said and they ended it and everybody kind of laughed and I thought mm, this is not going to be good yeah. so we go out into the council chamber and there's like a hundred people and I kid you not because our council chambers holds about 125 people so there's about a hundred people in these black t-shirts with these hearts on it that say, I love feral cats. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and so everybody is kind of looking. I just look out like, mm, yeah. it's going to be real interesting. And I kid you not, for like an hour and a half, the cat people went in on us. So then they said, uh, we're going to postpone the vote. You think? <laughs> I told y'all that this was not going to go the way you wanted it yeah to go and then so you know that so but that that's that part of when people find something that is of importance to them yeah they 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 rally around it and they come and they make their voice heard and they do it in such a way that all you can do is say hmm somehow I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. And then you have those people who come and scream and holler at you and you're like, yeah, that's not working for you. That's <laughs> not going to work yeah, yeah, for you. Yeah. you. I could see you doing this so differently and it would have such a different result for you. Okay. And when it comes to those meetings, like how is the community, um, I guess, made aware of those meetings where they can express their opinions. So for us, with the exception of the month of July, when we take a council break, we meet every Tuesday. 
Um, every Tuesday okay. at 7 p.m. we have a council meeting and then at 3 p.m. prior to the meeting on Tuesday, I'm sorry, every seven, every Tuesday, uh, with the exception of the fifth Tuesday, because then that puts us over the amount of meetings that our charter, our charter says we have to have. So we have a governing constitution, each city does as well. Um, so we meet at three o'clock for work session to talk about all of the things that's going on in the city. And then at 7 p.m. we have a meeting that is actually open to the public where there is actually a dialogue on different things that we're voting on. There's a peace um, citizens presentation where you can just come and talk about it. And it has been that way forever. So, and then one, the fourth Tuesday of the month, we have an early morning meeting at 8.30 a.m. And that meeting is actually put in place for the school kids because we want the school kids to be able to come and participate in municipal government. Mm. And so that, you know, in the evening, it's not, it, that's not always conducive to schools and school buses and things like that. So we have the kids on, on um, the fourth Tuesday in the morning. Okay. And when it comes to like, actually you going there and expressing your opinion and then you want to see change, how long does that process usually take? Like how long do they get the, the, they take care of the feral cats? Like how long does it usually take? So the feral cat ordinance was put together without any thought for anybody else. Someone just said, we need this ordinance and didn't think it through. And then we're going to vote. Y'all are going to vote on it. And the people came and said, mm -mm, that's not how that's going to work. And so they got a 60-day continuance. And so in the, over the course of that 60 days, then there were, there were uh, community meetings and just a conversation, a dialogue about things that um, needed to be changed in that ordinance, things that needed to be changed, things that needed to be made clearer. Um, things that should have been removed. And then so at the end of 60 days, those 100 people came back with a I love feral cat shirts on. Yeah. And then they spoke in support of the ordinance and the ordinance passed. So that's one example. City government, like state government, like county government, like federal government moves at a snail's pace. Mm. It is not, it is a Navy ship. So it takes forever to turn that it is not a speedboat, so don't get it twisted. It ain't moving okay. at lightning speed. It moves a lot better now because we have um, a mayor, a council, a city manager, and a group of people who understand the importance of things moving uh, much more expeditiously than it had in times past. Technology has been a, a huge plus for that as well, because now most things are computerized where everything else was paper. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, not, not that I'm knocking any, any government employee, but the very first thing that most government employees say is no. Mm -hmm. You know, can I change that light bulb? No, not the light bulb is down the night is right in this closet. Can we call facilities and let me get you a ladder and let it get taken care of? The very first thing is no. Then you have to say, well, why can't I change the light bulb? Because you do know the light bulb is out. You know. Okay. Okay. And I'm sorry, something you said, I don't want to, but I want to, I just want to point this out. 
LaRonda, you guys put on a, a great seminar uh, this weekend. Is, is there going to be more of that, LaRonda? Because the information you guys gave, um, and then correct me if I'm wrong, the name of the seminar was called um, I'm Not a Threat. Uh, well, dang, remind me what Serve and protect, I'm not a threat. Okay. Are you guys going to be doing more seminars like that? Because I feel like the, those kind of seminars are like important for the community when we're dealing with the police. And are you guys going to be having more? And how can we get that message out to more people that can be involved in those kind of seminars? Well, you know, <clears throat> let, me, let me say this. Let me be honest about this. Let me be transparent. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of came... <laughs> That kind of came about as kind of like, uh, why don't you do this event? My a friend of mine called me and said, my daughter gets an anxiety attack every time she's around the police. If I had not been with her and seen it, I'd have thought she was just talking when she said it. But I, we were together one day and we came across this police officer and the girl just freaked out. And she was like, and I know you, so why don't you do something, you know, put something on for young people? And so I just threw it I just threw it out there on Facebook live one day and said yeah. hey if I was to do something would anybody come because I haven't done anything in years so I'm like you know if I do it nobody may, may not even show up you know yeah. and the, the the response was almost overwhelming mm. um, that people really wanted to hear from police officers and you know what they need to do when they come in contact and Kelly and I got together we thought it was a good idea to team up and with her influence, because I'm putting this on her, her influence, <laughs> we were able to really get it out there to just about the state of Texas, period. I yes. mean, it went bigger than what I think either of us ever thought it would be. And because we had such a good response, we've talked about maybe doing another one we don't know when we don't know how soon but we do see a need for it we do understand that people want it um and and we're open to it we're open to doing it okay actually now what she did not say was on <laughs> sunday after after the event we actually had people who were giving us topics yes of what our next thing yes that yes. we should that we should talk about Yes. And, you know, you think it's a Sunday and you're not going to have people, you know, tune in. Mm -hmm. But we had over 12,000 views right. um, of, of people who of people who were watching it. And so and then even on Monday and Tuesday, I was still getting emails from people saying, thank you. I watched it with my 13 year old grandson and I watched it with my daughter and I, my, my husband and I watched it. Thank mm -hmm. you. So you're, you're absolutely right. But we do have we have a couple of topics that people have pushed out there. We just. And I think that for, the, for those who didn't get to attend is just now seeing this. What the seminar was about was actually on a traffic stop how to actually deal with police officers and engaging them and knowing when your rights are being violated, what you should do, not taking the responsibility away from the police, but just right. taking ownership of what you can do to actually save your life and be able to fight another day and go about, you know, keep living instead of a lot of us being killed on traffic stops. So right. the information was like, cause I know I get misinformation where I, I've, I've been told, 
where you don't even got to talk to police. If you just got your driver's license, your insurance in a plastic bag, you could just hang it out on a window and, and roll it up and they got all the information. You don't need to say nothing. Don't roll your window down. Like, I'm like, okay, well, that's, that just makes them even more angry. But it's like, it, it for me, that I was told that to actually not engage in the police and go back and forth with them. All they need is your driver's license, your insurance. You ain't got to say nothing else to them. But I was like, you want to kind of like, because at the end of the day, police officers are just people, right? All they are are just people. And if you interact with them in a certain way, they should reciprocate that same energy. So you don't want to be overexcited. You don't want to be disrespectful, but you want to be able to come out there. And if they are doing something where it's a little aggressive or, you know, they just violating your, your law or your, your constitutional rights, then there is a protocol, a, a way to go about that. So you can be able to fight another day. So like, if for those who didn't, did you guys have that on recording somewhere where people could go back and watch it? Yeah, it, the city of Fort Worth uh, city council page, it's there. So people are welcome to go to the city of Fort Worth city council Facebook page and watch it from beginning to end. And like you said, it was an informative event. It wasn't an event, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, well, you know, it's the police's job to de-escalate. The police should do this, the police should do that. We understand that and we're not taking anything away from that. However, we also must look at the fact that we also have a responsibility as drivers and citizens. Um, and like you said, if, if an officer walks up to your car and that officer is being respectful and you just hand them a bag <laughs> with your stuff and say, here, <laughs> and I'm not talking to you. I mean, how would that go over for you? Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I think we have to take responsibility for our own actions as well. And that's what we wanted to get across is that there's a way to deal with people, judge people by the content of their character, not the uniform that they're wearing. Because just because there are people in uniform who do the fool, and I'm just going to say it like that, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that everyone that approaches you is going to do the fool. So if you judge that person because they are people, by the way that they have have walked up to your car and respectfully said, sir or ma'am, I'm Officer Young. I need to see your driver's license and insurance. The reason I stopped you is because I got you going 55 and a 40. There's nothing to be you know, combative about. And right. that's what we wanted to get across. Now, if you become combative, you know, and they, they begin to take it up a level, you know, we wanted you to understand that they are within their right to go to the next level. There, there are things called resistance. There's something called resistance and there are levels to that resistance. And we wanted people to understand what those levels are and when they are acting um, in a certain way that's viewed as a certain level of resistance and why they get the response that they may get from police Un because they don't know that they're actually resisting. You know, right. I found that a lot of kids will say, hey, I'm calling my mama, you know, right. and the officer is saying, well, you can't use your phone right now for safety reasons. Put your phone down. Let's finish this. And then you can call your mom. No, I'm calling my mama now. Well, you're resisting. So now that officer has to take it up a notch. So yeah. that's what we wanted people to understand. And we understand there are officers who get out of line, but we also want you to understand that sometimes you're the problem and we don't want you to be the problem. So that when you have a complaint, it's valid and you are able to see it through. Okay. And also, um, I guess for both of you guys, 
how can because I know when I was young, right? I remember going to like the parks and they were having like community like block parties and things like like that. How can how can we get back to that? Is that the city's responsibility to kind of maybe fund these kind of programs or like nonprofit organizations like within the city? Or is it on the, the community kind of to do that on their own? And is there a way that we can collaborate with the, with the two? I throw great parties. Okay. <laughs> in okay. my district. Now, here's what everybody will say. My councilwoman likes a good party. Okay. My councilwoman is going to have cupcakes, <laughs> and she's going to have music, and she's going to dance. Okay. I don't know what nobody else does, but they will tell you that, and they all mean it, and regardless of their age, their gender, <laughs> their race, they're going to say my councilwoman likes a good party. You only have to come spend some time with me to know that I like a good party. Okay. But, so, so for me, that is exactly what I do. So I host, and, and this has been such a, a disturbing year that I have been stuck at home because of COVID, because right, you know, next weekend we will be hosting a district-wide movie night, and then it would be a back to, big back-to-school party the next day. Every uh, quarter, I host a, a big town hall. And, and so it is literally, for me, all about collaborations and partnerships and bringing people together. But then I have community, my, my different neighborhood associations, they host different community events where then they go find partners and they you know put different things on. Um, in Fort Worth, we used to have, and we still do, uh, you know, pre-COVID, you know, we had the big Juneteenth festivals, but most of those things were privately done. The city was a partner in them in some type of way, uh, but, you know, it, it, still, it still happens, uh, but it, it's a little different now than when we were younger. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a different there's a different dynamic to it. So yeah. where the police would kind of be on the periphery when we were younger. Now the police are kind of in the middle of it because you just kind of never know um, what's going to happen. Yeah. And I remember my neighborhood like they used to, used to be a park where probably like every quarter, every three months it used to be a fair and the whole community would come out. You, you, of course, you have knuckleheads in there, but it was like you have a strong police presence where everybody, it was like a family community yeah. thing. But I don't see that any law. And, and I, may, I haven't, been, I come from, I'm from Los Angeles. Um, so I don't see it in Fort Worth. I don't see it in Fort Worth. And, and it's to me, not being from Fort Worth, just from the outside looking in, Fort Worth looked like, like it's an all black community where it's minority is African-American people. And I don't see no kind of community. I don't see no, nothing going on. And, and this is me on the outside looking in when I look at Dallas and when I look at Fort Worth, it, it feels like Fort Worth is more of impoverished city, but it has so much, um, have so much richness in Fort Worth. Like the people in Fort Worth are just genuine. They just good people. But when it comes to a lack of resources or a lack of community where you feel like you are part of something, I feel like a lot of hope is like just being taken out of that city. 
And I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, like, okay, how can we as a community rally together to actually do something in the community and make it more lively and more fun for people, kids to come outside for, for you to meet your neighbors. Cause I know where I live, I live in Arlington. I've been living there six months. I have not met not one neighbor. And I'm thinking when I used to come, my, my family is from Fort Worth. So when I used to come to Fort Worth, it was like when I used to go to my, um, my aunt's house, she knew everybody on the whole block. And I'm just like, how do we get back to that? And is there a lot of red tape if somebody wanted to do that to put on something in the city? No, and we welcome it. We welcome it. So, so, I, so I find it really interesting that that's kind of, that's what you're saying. Because if I think about Stop 6, Stop 6 hosts all different kinds of events from the MLK Center to Dunbar High School to the Boys and Girls Club to um, historic Rosedale Park. They host all of these, they host all of these different events. Um, Highland Hills Neighborhood Association, they mm -hmm. host, you know, bunches and bunches of events. I think what takes people out of them is kind of one of the things that you said. Um, I drive into my drive, I drive into my garage and I let the garage door down and I don't come out again until my garage door goes up and I'm driving away. Mm -hmm. And so I've never taken the time to learn or to meet my next door neighbor to the left or to the right of me or even across the street from me. I see maybe the flyer that someone has put on my door. I look at it and think, mm, okay, maybe. And then I don't do the next step. Yeah. And the next step is to go to the meeting. The next step is to go next door and meet your neighbor and say, hey, I'm such and such and such, and I've been here a few months, and I just would wanted to introduce myself. We don't do, we don't do that. Right. And we, and we don't do that as Black people. We don't do that as white people. We don't do that as Hispanic people. It's just not one of those things that we do when we move into different neighborhoods. Right. I live in the neighborhood that I grew up in. I know every dang on body in my neighborhood. Yeah. And my neighbors to the left and to the right of me across the street and beside me are Hispanic. But what you're not going to do is move into my neighborhood and I not know who you are. Mm. So, you know, and one of the things that we do, we pass out cookies on, on the Christmas Eve. We pass out cookies. We, we bake cookies for days. It goes, it's, it's the best. Who is we? When you say we, who my is family. We? Oh, okay. And so we pass out cookies. But so because we pass out cookies, now my neighbors, they bring us salsa. When, when the grandmama comes from more rest, she makes tamales. We get tamales. We get Corona. I mean, so that's part that that goes back to when you say. Not the virus, though, right? You're talking about the fear. <laughs> Okay. Corona beer. Okay. Corona beer and a little cabrito. That's okay. y'all okay. who don't know. So, uh, but but that's a part of being a part of a community. And if we want people to be involved, we have to get back there. Yeah. And that's and that is incumbent upon you and me and and each one of us who say y'all ain't doing nothing but you really don't know what's going on because right. you just drove into the garage and let the garage door down. 
Yeah. You know, I, I think part of the problem is people don't want to get involved until something something bad happens. Uh, you know, when, when the police have, have done something that they shouldn't have done or somebody got shot by the police, then everybody wants to come out. But the reality is there's been things going on in the community that none of them have tried to get involved in prior to that incident. Uh, if you're not sure what to do, start with your local YMCA. A lot of times they have after-school programs. They're doing things in the community. If you just go to the YMCA and ask, hey, what kind of things are y'all doing in the community? I'm trying to get involved. Um, I want to volunteer. I guarantee you they'll have something. If you have a boys and girls club in your area, you can start there. Go to the boys and girls club. Hey, I like to volunteer. What do you guys have going on? What do you do uh, each year for the kids during Christmas or, or Thanksgiving or during the summer? What do you have? I work in a Title I school, and we have a bus that comes to our school from the boys and girls club. Pick those kids up. Take them to the boys and girls club. Now, guess what? When they get there, they have to have something for them to do. So either somebody that works there or somebody that's volunteering is going to do something with those kids. That's community work. So you got to start with your community centers, your YMCA's, your boys and girls clubs. If you don't know where to start, those are three of the main places you can start just to find out what's going on in the community before you, you know, before something bad happens right. with the police. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then go to the city council meeting. If you don't want to go, Watch it on the cable channel. See what they're talking about. Find out what's going on. And when you approach them, and this is my pet peeve, mm -hmm. which is why I will not get into city politics. <laughs> when you approach them, have your stuff together. Know what you're talking about. And if you don't, be ready to ask questions, but do it in a professional manner. These people have a job to do. They are human. And, and I'm like this. If you yelling at me every time you speak to me, I tune you out. Right. I'm not going to listen to you. I may be looking at you. I may hear everything you're saying. But the reality is, in my mind, you can get up out of my face until you learn how to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's just the reality. Yeah, and I yeah. think a lot of these people who are going down to the city council meetings with this loud, boisterous attitude, you know, mean pointing fingers rather than coming to compromise and listen. Because the reality is you're going to have to compromise. Right. You're not going to bully your way into whatever uh, policy you want or whatever statue you think the city needs to come up with. You have got to learn to listen to their side, take your side, put it on the table, and then say, okay, let's sit down and compromise and see how we can meet in the middle. People are not doing that today. People are running down there cussing, fussing, y'all gonna do this, y'all gonna do that. And guess what? You're not in charge, and they ain't gonna do nothing if they don't want to. Right, and she already said they- That's Kelly what already, they need to understand. Kelly already said they move at a snail's pace and they first response to say no, so. If you come up with the attitude, yeah. Yes, and that and that really is 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 I guess my mission that I'm kind of on is to get people to see that there's a way to present your argument and still be respectful and yeah. still get the job done. Because the reality is 
Ronda Young basically had been in hibernation for some years. Ronda Young just came out the woodworks to do this event, and bam, she's all over the news. She got the city's WebEx. All these people are signing up. Now, you got to ask yourself, y'all been going down to city council for the last few years acting a fool. How come y'all weren't able to do this? <laughs> right, right. But they did on Sunday sit on, they did on Sunday sit on, on Facebook and throw rocks. You like, really? That's what you got. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so, why. I, go ahead, Ron. I'm sorry. So, so, that's what I'm saying. If you learn how to talk to people, because we can disagree and still respect each other. Absolutely. And, and I said this the other day disagree and disrespect are two very different things. And some people have got to learn the difference. There are a lot of things I may disagree with with the city council, but I respect them as a human being and their position. And when I talk to them, I'm going to talk to them with respect. You know, so that's probably why they don't mind dealing with me because they know I'm not going to act a fool. Right. I'm come down there and, and cut everybody out. <laughs> right. right. Now, when it comes to um, to the city and economic development, right? Because I see, I don't know if this is your district, um, Kelly, but over there by like by Dunbar High School, I see where they shut down the projects and um, where I know it got, they got a bunch of signs in those empty lots. How can the community participate in that eco- economic development over there? Or do you even know it? Or is that even your district, first of all? It's not my district, but let me tell you what it is. So that is the um, Cavill Place Projects. And actually, it's not even the city of Fort Worth's property. Mm. It is actually owned by Fort Worth Housing Solutions, which is actually the housing authority. So mm-hmm. it is a government, it is a federal a government, government entity. entity. It does oh, not okay. belong to the mm-hmm. city. Okay. But all across the country... Um, the federal government, uh, the housing, ha- the Department of Housing and Urban Development (HUD), they are um, removing, uh, disassembling um, projects, public housing, mm-hmm. for, uh, for for lack of a better word, they are disassembling it. They are doing this program called um, RAD, and it's like rental assistance. And the the thought is is to move people out of um, generational poverty and breaking up uh, pockets and pockets of low income housing and uh, people living together in lower socioeconomic um, areas. Moving, being able to spread them out around the city where so where the the schools are better, they're, they're calling them high opportunity areas. Um, so it's about schools, it's about jobs, it's about transportation, it's about housing. And so they have moved um, people not only from the um, Cavill Place projects, but also Butler Housing. And Butler mm-hmm. Housing is in my district just outside of downtown. So Butler is is a little different because Butler is actually being redeveloped. It's not being redeveloped, but there is a whole plan being put in place. It is going to be rezoned and it is ultimately going to be sold to a developer to redevelop however they see fit because of the close proximity to downtown and I-35 and all of those things. 
Okay. So Cavill is a little different in that they have created a revitalization plan. And so they're going to raise um, Cavill Place and then they're coming back with uh, apartments, condos, townhouses, single family housing, and um, and then the whole um, economic development piece of businesses and, and some mixed use and some things there. So they're so both are both are um, government properties, but how they are going to be developed are very different. Okay. And I know you put it in. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And and so, and then the one thing that you did say, you said, how can the community be involved? Well, the residents, the difference between Butler and Cavill, Cavill residents um, who have lived there many for several generations will actually, if they choose to, have the ability to come back home. His home is just going to look different. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it so will they're be develop, they're gonna develop them, they're gonna build them up, and then they have opportunity to actually come back and live in those developments, yes. really. Yes, okay. And 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 to add to that, um, because a lot of people don't know, and and I have to say, stop seeking in my heart, that's where I'm from. You know, my mother was born and raised there, my grandparents lived there until they died, my great grandmother's uh house was around the corner from. Cavill. I have cousins that grew up in Cavill. So Cavill is, I mean, stop six is just where I, and and I didn't even live there. I just spent a lot of time there while my parents were working and going to college. I spent most of my time there, even though we lived in a middle-class neighborhood. So stop six is just, you know, that's just in my heart. I worked there as a police officer and I still work there today as a teacher. So um, one thing I want to say is I have a cousin that is building and refurbishing houses in the stop six area right now. So black people are putting back into that stop six area. People that came out of that area are still in that area putting back, even though they don't live there anymore, they're coming back and they're basically rebuilding the neighborhood. Yeah, because that's what I want. Look better so that people that live there will have a, they have a sense of self-worth while they're there, you know? Yeah, because I know I see it. I'm seeing it on the news in a lot of different cities where this um, regentrification. Yes, that's the word. Regentrification is happening all over, all over the United States. And I'm just like, how? Why can't the people, the citizens who've been living there for umpteen years, why don't they get to participate in that economic development? Because I feel like with the economic development. That's where you will see lower crime. You will see lower domestic violent things when you actually be able to, when people actually have money and they actually are being able to, to, you know, use those finances for different things, then you see crime actually drop. But if it's certain people where they don't have resources, they don't have food, or they thinking about where their next meal is going to come from, then that's when you get a lot of crime in that crime area. And I'm just looking like, well, right over here, I see, because I've, I've seen it in, in Los Angeles where they have moved people out the projects and they have developed this high rise. And now you see Starbucks, you see all these white grocery stores popping up. And then now the people that who actually lived there for years that people didn't care about, they just get pushed out. They don't get to participate in that. And 
that's a part of this systemic racism that people are talking about where the people who people like, you know, we'll give you X amount of dollars, um, five cents on a dollar for your house. You know what I mean? Or you'll get a certificate to go move in another projects, but it's way out in, in the suburbs somewhere where it's like, this is not where we're from. This is not where we want to live. We, we like this little area. You know what I mean? It was convenient to us and we want to participate in some of that economic development that's happening where we grew up, where we have memories at. And I just, I just want to see, you know, is there, I just wanted really, I really wanted to know what was the plan on that area and make sure that the people who are of that community can participate. And if so, how do they participate in the economic development in that, in that area? So, I I mean, I guess you guys, you guys both answered that question for me. Um, Yeah. So I just want to make sure, cause, cause that, that's always the important piece. Cause I, I hate to see it where people just getting pushed out of their homes and then they just like, yo, this is a better area for you. And we're like, I, I, I think a that. lot of people um, are, they have misinformation. Like you didn't know that mm-hmm. those people would be able to come back and move back in the area. You didn't know that there's a, a black con- construction or carpenter that is building houses in that area or, or refurbishing houses in that area that actually came from that area. So when people don't know, yeah. of course, you know, they assume, but I mean, I totally agree that the people in the area need to be a, be able to put back into that area. Um, so Kelly. So I, I, here's my, my thought. So I'm not a fan of gentrification. Um, I'm not a fan of gentrification because gentrification is the first wave of people who come in to a neighborhood and move people out. And that's how you get Starbucks and and all of those things. And then property tax values go up and and people are forced out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you use the word regentrification and regentrification is truthfully a word because what happens, and you only have to look at Austin, Texas and East Austin to, to, for this to be such a very true um, story. So, re, so gentrification is that first wave of people. Okay. Regentrification is when the next wave of people who come in, who want the high rises, who want $200,000 and $300,000 condos and townhouses, who now have made the neighborhood even more expensive so the first wave of people who pushed out the original people can't afford to live there. So now they have to go find another place to live. It's starting to happen here in Fort Worth, which is so amazing to me. And, and so in my neighborhood that I live in, my neighborhood is very deceptive. Uh, when you ride through the neighborhood, you're like, is that a crack house? And it very well might be uh-huh. a crack house. <laughs> but next door to the crack house is the attorney. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it is the attorney. And next door to the attorney is the teacher. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the crack house is the dentist. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, and wow. like LaRonda said, they were people who grew up in the neighborhood 
and they, you know, moved away and now they've come back because either their parents passed away and, and so they, they, they inherited the house and they redid the house and, you know, or they built, they tore down the house and rebuilt, rebuilt you know, and built another house because my neighbor on the street behind us, they own a whole city block of just stuff that they raised and, and have rebuilt and it's just amazing, but they grew up in the neighborhood. Yeah, and so you know, it's so it's so it's very very deceptive. So we had this 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 developer who came and said, "I rode through that neighborhood, and there is nothing of value in that neighborhood." I thought, "Ooh, this is gonna be good. Gonna be <laughs> I can't wait till y'all get to council because oh, it is going to go down." Right. So I tried to save him, you know, and and I and I will say, I am very protective. And, and the developers in the city of Fort Worth will, will say they do not like me because I am very protective of my neighborhoods because in our neighborhoods, we have always been so wolf tickets. Mm. And what, what, you know, what someone promised us is not what they actually put there. And we have had to carry that burden. You made money up off, off of our neighborhoods and then you moved on. Mm-hmm. And, as a person who could have lived anywhere in the city, I chose to come back home. Mm. I chose to, you know, my husband is from Stop Six. I met him in Riverside. We moved to Riverside. I wanted to come back home. I wanted to to reinvest in the community that invested in me. Yes. So this developer, he's doing all of this stuff and I'm saying, this is not going to be good for you. I'm just telling you. And so he went on this whole a smear campaign of me. I don't want to see any improvements in the neighborhood. I didn't want to do anything. I thought, oh, this is not going to be good. (laughs) Never mind that you're talking about me to the people who helped raise me. That's not good for you. (laughs) But you don't realize that these folks are smarter than you are on any given day. So here he comes with his whole group of people who don't live in the neighborhood to counsel for this zoning and so we locked and loaded, like, okay, you're not gonna win. And so he is sinking down this hole. My council, my council colleague throws him a lifeline, like, you don't wanna continue this? He's like, no, I wanna go forward tonight. I'm like, cool, let's do it. <laughs> so he, so they, they're saying, they're trying to talk him into it. And he had, he bought up all of this property on the river, on the Trinity River. He faces downtown. And he's just like, you know, those those black people, and pretty much that's what he said. Those black people don't know when a good thing is coming their way, and why would they want to be, you know, concerned about what I do in their neighborhood? Okay, well, probably because it's my neighborhood, and I'm concerned about it. So ultimately, they talked him into getting a 30-day continuance, and so in his mind, he had won. So you know, there is something about having a bunch of senior citizens who are really, really smart, who understand the power of their vote, who understands how how the political process works, um, all of this. So when we met with them, went, met with him and put him in this room and they started going down their list of demands, uh-huh. I was like, oh, 
him. I don't have to do nothing. My work here is done. <laughs> yeah. He started out when he wanted 130 units. At best now, when it's all said and done, he's going to get 60. Okay, they have to they they gave him all of these configurations. He did not know what hit him. He did not see any of this coming. And his idea literally was that he was going to take over our, our whole neighborhood. Dude is confined to three blocks. Mm. He is wow. confined to three. So here again, there's power in communities. Yes. And my, my other point in talking about gentrification is our neighborhoods would not be vulnerable if we didn't leave. We have to be willing to make the reinvestment into our communities. And it starts with us. And so, you know, we all, we, we all went on about our ways and we left. And we left our grandmamas there. We left our mamas there. We left our aunties there. We let, you know, crack take over our neighborhoods. We we allowed all of that to happen. And then when somebody else sees the value in what we've left behind, we get mad. Yeah. But it was ours to begin with. Yeah. And so I don't know how to change that dynamic of us as a people because for us as a people we always think somebody else's water tastes better and it's colder right versus how we make our own water taste better and colder mm-hmm. mm, okay yeah i i agree 100 i agree 100 and i think that's where my ideal of actually having some kind of function outside party to see that you know the neighborhood is a good place to be you grew up here you know everybody is fun and bringing just that happiness and that joy back to the neighborhoods because some some people just ain't gonna be going to the meetings you know what i mean some people are just the people who just gonna turn up and you know have fun but i i don't know i don't know i don't know what they what the plan is or what's the uh, what, what we can do to actually start doing something neighborhood. But I just know I want to be involved. Like I want to get involved in, in the actual to see Fort Worth or um, become profitable, be, become like, cause I don't know if people, a lot of people don't know, but I used to come to Fort Worth um, when I was, I think probably like sixth or seventh grade and I remember it used to be so much fun coming to Fort Worth because we used to just ride up and down the block. We used to just run up and down the street. We used to walk around the corner to, uh, I think it was like an ABC market or something. It was like a grocery store. And it was like, that's when you could buy stuff on credit. When it, my, my, I got my, my cousin Shirley, she know everybody in the whole city. And it was like, oh, you, you, uh, you Shirley cousin. Okay, tell her I'll put it on her tab. And it was just like a sense of community back then that I don't think the, the kids like get to enjoy that. Like really get to see where you know, okay, everything is going on in the neighborhood. You got grandma out there, everybody out there partying. And I mean, that's just kind of what I wanted to see. And of course, my, my favorite 
and I'm kind of walking in or taking on the footsteps of one of my favorite, my favorite rappers, if y'all know, is Nipsey. He did this to my community where I grew up, where I went to high school, where I seen, and it's like, okay, I live here now with my wife and my kids. So I want to kind of do that same thing um, within the community where I live now. You know what I mean? And I, and I would love to, if anybody is watching this that's involved in any kind of community projects, you can always email us, um, myself, Loranda's on Facebook, um, Kelly Allen, uh, Miss Kelly Allen Gray. I don't know, but I, I want to get involved. So if anybody's out there, make sure you hit me on tap in podcast at Gmail. I want to get involved in this. Um, Somehow, some way, because I feel like I think black people are stronger, you know, when we together because we have great ideas. You know, what I mean, we have great ideas. We have a, a great sense of um, just joy and fun in, in, in a lot of us. And I would love to see our people just to, to be able to do that for the community. You know, what I mean, so we can kind of stop putting the blame on other people, you know, what I mean, for things that we don't like seeing or we don't like doing. And I really want to be a part of that process. Um, if y'all got anything to say, I, I really want to thank y'all again for coming on and sharing your Saturday with me. I'm not going to hold y'all all day. Thank y'all. A lot of information has been passed. Miss um, LaRonda, if you have uh, working people get a, get a hold of you, if they want to, you know, be a part of your tutoring, um, what, what grades do you tutor? Um, we tutor grades K through eight. All of my tutors are Texas certified teachers. Okay. Um, right now we're doing all of our tutoring uh, virtually because of COVID-19. I don't feel comfortable sending a tutor into homes right now, but normally it would be in-home tutoring. Um, all of our tutoring is one-on-one. -on -one. It's the teacher and the student. We don't do small groups. And the reason I've done it that way is because you can get small groups in school. I want to offer something that you can't get from school, which is one-on-one -on -one tutoring with the Texas certified teacher. Um, uh, you can go to my website, youngscholarliteracy.com, or you can find me on Twitter at youngscholar10, the number 10, youngscholar10, and then there's Facebook, LaRonda Young. So. Okay. And Miss Kelly Allen Gray, what, uh, what's, what district are you in? District 8. District 8. Okay. And how can if people want to actually, you know, get a hold of you? How do you how do they do that? Or they just have to see you at the council meetings? No, don't see me at the council meetings. I'm virtual. I'm not going back to city hall till January. Okay. Um, so you can uh, you can follow me on Facebook uh, at Kel at Kelly Allen Gray on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, you can, our council office number is 817-392-8808. You can email me at district8 at fortworthtexas.gov. It's not hard to find me. And most folks know where I live anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, if you want to get involved, you got the right person on here. Just hook up with Kelly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you say you want to host an event, I was sitting here thinking that COVID had messed up all of my stuff. Because <laughs> literally, we were having, we host a bike and walk mm. uh, in Kyle in Park. It is a... Um, a 5k it is a 10k bike ride because our mayor bikes and then i am a walker so we do a 5k walk 
in Cobb Park, and it is, and so it would have been the first Saturday in November, but, uh. you know, because of COVID, we're not having it, but we bring out all of the sponsors, and we have families, and we bring out bicycles, and, you know, just talking about health and wellness and having a good time, um, so I would love to see what that, to see what that looks like in, in your mind, and I have some great spots in my district that um, could host some events. Okay, yeah, because I, I want to get it, the radio station out here. I want to get them involved in, like, whatever. Any Anybody, like, small businesses, because I know some of them, you know, take took a hit with the COVID. So bring out the small businesses, people with, you know, merch and other things, and just make it a community event. So we make, make it small at first, and we build on it. I, I would love to do that. Uh, so maybe we connect you to Harambe. Because Harambe is a two-day event. Um, actually, this year they're virtual and they're on Evans Avenue and they have just what you're talking about. And they, I mean, they have this big, huge stage and it is like Friday night is blues night. And then Saturday, it, it, it goes on all day long. So, Okay. And it's free. It's the, I think it's the first weekend in October. And it's free for the community to come out and enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, let's talk when we get off of here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yo, thank y'all for tapping in. Yo, this has been the Tap In Podcast. Miss Kelly Allen, great. Thank you. LaRonda Young, thank you guys both for, uh, you know, being part of this. Yo, um, this has been the Tap In Podcast. Holla. <laughs>